1: Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show coming to you today from Essex, Massachusetts. We are on site for the project home on the current season of this old house. And today's a special day around here. It's the wrap day. It's the final day of production. We've been invited here to help bring to you the story of this amazing home and its renovation by the spectacular team, from This Old House, speaking of which, although I'm usually joined at this microphone by the very talented Leslie Segretti, we've given Leslie the day off for this trip to stay home and take care of her beautiful boys, and we're very pleased to welcome This Old House host Kevin O'Connor. Welcome, Kevin. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, thanks for for being with us. Now, we've been covering the This Old House renovations for many seasons now, but I'm always really surprised and always learn something new, as I'm
2: sure you do as well. I learn a ton on every project. You know, each one of these projects, well, they're unique, right? And they are chosen um, very carefully and planned so that we are trying to bring the viewers a new perspective with each season, with each project, so that they can take away something uh, and incorporate into their own homes and their own lives.
1: And that's the key. And this project offers no less with a very specific goal in mind, aging in place. Now, the homeowners in this case wanted a universally designed home for their parents. Is that right?
2: That's yeah, right. It's a small cottage, um, which we have lovingly referred to as a Hansel and Gretel style cottage. Uh, <laughs> it's charming, but it's in serious disrepair. Both the house and the property it sits on. Uh, And the homeowners needed a place for their parents to live that would age with them. It was built in 1935 uh, in a densely wooded area here in Essex, Massachusetts, and it's got distant views of the water. Well, it's a beautiful home,
1: and may I say it's a picturesque day here in New England. There's a light snow falling across the fields, and it's a beautiful lot. And we look forward to hearing all about it. Now, you can watch episodes of The Makeover in progress on your local PBS station, so be sure to check those local listings on thisoldhouse.com. But today, we're going to give you a sneak peek, if you will, sort of an inside and behind the scenes look of how this all came together. So Kevin, why don't we start right there, just talking about what a great day it is. Tell me about this location, because it is very
2: unique. Well, I think the location is important for two reasons. First of all, it is close to where our homeowners live. They live in Essex, right? uh, and their parents come to visit a lot, and so they are going to move here eventually. So proximity to the main house is very important, and this is nearby. But more importantly, it sits beautifully up on this hill. There's a hill that goes higher up below it and also down, and from this vantage point, when the trees are gone, you actually have distant views of the water, and it has really been sited properly. It's got lots of rocks, uh, lots of outcroppings, and we are working with that site to make this house fit in.
1: And that required a lot of forethought on the 1935 architectural <laughs> team that put this together. I can only imagine what a challenge was it was when it was originally constructed, because, as you said, this is a very hilly lot. I mean, even driving in here, the narrow roads going up along the side of the mountain. Just amazes me what they were able to do
2: back in the early part of the century to build a home on a lot like this. Well, I have no doubt that back in the 1930s, they walked this lot up and down. They sat there and they looked at where the sun came up in the morning, where it would actually hit the facade of this house. They probably spent a lot of time on the property before they built it. And then once they did build it, they wanted to make sure that it took into the views also, um, but the sunrise, uh, because they were going to use that for heating and cooling, at least partially for this house. And then, as you say, not, an easy lot to get to uh, back 75 years ago. And it's been difficult for us. Just this morning, one of our trucks off the road and into the ditch. So it's still a challenge to build here, but Tommy and his guys can pull it off.
1: I love when that happens because people think that that it, we never have anything go wrong <laughs> right. in, in our homes, in our lives, on our projects. But but listen, we've experienced it. And fortunately, we get to tell you about it and hopefully you won't experience it. Right. But I'll tell you what, the experience of this home, just absolutely pristine. Let's talk a little bit now about sort of the design goals. You mentioned it was, it's been designed for the homeowner's parents. They want to age in place. That's a big trend right now. Millions and millions of folks are forgoing the idea of moving south you know, to Florida and, and, and places like that for the retirement years and staying more in their own homes.
2: But that means these homes have to be made more accessible. You know, the statistics are actually quite staggering. The number of people who are approaching retirement age is very large. We know that baby boom demographic. Um, but when you ask those people, it's well over 70 to 80% of folks who want to stay where they are. And that's really important. And it makes a lot of sense, right? Because it's not just what you're familiar with, but staying in your house means that you're staying near your network. You're staying near neighbors and families who can help you out as you age. So you have to think about these homes so that people can stay here. And that's exactly what we talk about on this season. Things about accessibility, first floor living, how you can come and go from the house, um, and how you can actually have help live in with you if it comes to that. And you've also had uh,
1: lots of high-tech innovations, as you always do here, including a spectacular geothermal heating and cooling system.
2: Well, we're going to tell some great stories about making this house energy efficient, because even though we're thinking about universal design and accessibility, we always think about the bones of the house, how well it's built, and then more importantly, um, how efficient it is. And we go deep uh, into the geothermal story. telling We're going to use it for heating and cooling. Uh, and Richard Truthui, Richard our plumbing and heating contractor, is going to tell us that story in depth.
1: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show coming to you live from Essex, Massachusetts, on the site of the current This Old House project. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. And we're talking about the amazing transformation of this 1935 uh, cottage. So, Kevin, in addition to the home, there's also a barn on this property that Tommy Silva completely rebuilt.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, the old barn had sort of a loft. that we thought it was used uh, uh, for painting uh, as a little artist studio. The homeowners think they're going to use it as a place to entertain and for the kids. So that was rebuilt and also made super efficient as well in the process. Yeah, and you actually use structural insulated panels, these SIP
1: panels, which are amazingly efficient, beautiful fireplace. I'll tell you what, not only do I wish I had a barn, I wish I had a barn with a fireplace. <laughs> and that is all here in Essex, Massachusetts on this property, the current set for this old house. Just a beautiful home. Thanks so
2: much for being a part of the broadcast today, Kevin. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: And as always, the heartbeat of the house is its plumbing, heating, cooling, and ventilation system. And at the heart of the overhaul of those systems, we find Richard Trithui. Richard, big changes for this home's guts, right? Yeah, there was a lot of
3: stuff to deal with on this little house. There was a lot of problems for a house this small. Uh, We had a ton of ledge, and uh, so that made it a challenge for uh, finding a way to put in a septic system. We had groundwater. We had a well we had to redo. Uh yeah, we were busy.
2: And, and a, a septic system is a problem that actually a lot of people can run into whether they have ledge or not. I mean, we talked about this on the show. That's You're right. You're near the
3: water. That's right. You could be too close to the water. You can have uh, soil that doesn't perk. Uh, you can have, in our case, you can have this terrible uh, ledge. And so what we actually did was something we've never done before. We actually installed a self-contained sewage treatment plant in huh. the building.
1: A self contained system in the building. Absolutely. So, so how does that work? A series of tanks. Most people want to see the sewage leave the home. (laughs) That's right. We (laughs) don't want to stay with it. We want it to travel its way. We're like a baby. Keep it in our diaper. so,
3: (laughs) So, all the waste and water comes into these series of tanks, and using pumps and oxygen and bacteria, it breaks down those liquids and solids. And finally, it moves through from tank to tank to tank, finally, going through a membrane at the end that leaves the water clean enough to drink. Now, mm. I will point out that wow. Richard
2: handed me the bottle at the end of the system and said, clean enough to drink it, yeah. I deferred. Yeah.
1: But he let you drink it. That's
3: well, right. you know, I'm the new guy, so I never know yeah. what they're
2: picking on me, and I was smart enough not to drink it. Give him a little bacteria. Yeah.
1: That's pretty funny. Now, another project you did here, which is something many people have wrestled with, is you had to pull out an old oil tank. Right. We Let's were, talk
3: about that. Yeah, we were adding geothermal, so we no longer needed the oil tank, and the oil tank had all the same issues that uh, – All the old ones do it. They're steel tanks. They're generally filled with uh, sludge at the bottom. And so we called in a certified removal contractor who came in get rid of all the raw product inside it, and then finally cut the tank up and took it away and, and disposed of it safely. And so, was this a below
2: grade tank, or was this in no? A this was
3: above. This was, there's not much below grade with this much. There's, ledge. No, there's not much below grade <laughs> yeah, to do here. Right? No, you can't <laughs> get below grade. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, and there were two reasons to get rid of it. Certainly, we didn't need the oil tank anymore because of the change in the fuel source. But this thing was sticking up outside the house, right, and they just right. kind of put a bad little fence around. That's right. Right. It. It didn't yeah. look good. Right. Didn't spend a lot of time trying yeah. to hide it at all.
3: The other thing about these tanks is they're steel, and they have little tiny pipe legs at the bottom that are always rusted, and if they tip over, all of a sudden you've got
1: oil spilling all around right yeah. now um one important point to make about pulling those above grade tanks out is we've heard time and time again where people leave the fill pipe through the outside <laughs> wall yes and then sooner or later some yeah. misdirected uh, fuel yeah. company shows up and fills yeah. your basement up with oil yeah. so always take yeah. that pipe out yeah. but, let's talk about the geothermal heating and cooling system because that's really um the heart of of, of how this home is really functioning now right. was that a challenge for this lot well you know Oh, for the obvious
3: reasons, the ledge was a challenge, but uh, it's, I'm just so glad we finally got to tell this story on the Soul House. Geothermal is a very simple technology, but it seems confusing to people. It is. We drill a hole down into the ground. In this case, it's called a borehole, not a well. Right. So it's about a six-inch round uh, casing that goes down 350 feet, and then we fill it with a, a closed-loop pipe that's filled right. with antifreeze, and then we fill that with almost a, uh, a toothpaste called bentonite. And that makes that transfer between the rock that's down below the ground and this, the liquid that's in the pipe really effective. So now what do you do with that? We can now get the heat out of the ground. It's always 50 degrees down under the, under the ground. So even on a zero-degree day, we can get 50-degree temperature coming up to our heat pump using the basic refrigeration cycle that every air conditioner uses, every refrigerator uses. We can pump that up to 120, 130. And what we did is take that and now deliver it to the building with radiant or with hydro
2: It sounds magical. Uh, In many respects, it is Um, a little tougher for us this time because of that ledge. Because after those holes were drilled, we had to get the tubes from them to the house. Oh, but that (laughs) gave us. Oh, but
3: that gave us excitement, Tom. We we had to get two little pipes from over here to over here, and there was a ledge in the way. Oh, we brought in the the dynamite engineer, and we blew it up on camera.
1: What does what's not to love about dynamite? Always love that, right? Right. Yeah, but they didn't let you push the button, did they? No, no. But but you know, we heard the whistle, and it was just great. Wow, that's fantastic. Now, in terms of, the, that was we talked about, the, ch- the challenges outside the house, but inside the house, you have a very angular cottage. It's kind of hard to get the heating system distributed in yeah. this house and yeah. have it balanced, yeah. which is such a common problem that many of our listeners have. Well, we, in this case, we use a small duct high velocity system. It,
3: it uses two inch small outlets. Uh, we need one for every eight by 10 or 10 by 10 area. And we even hid them inside the, uh, the high ceiling locations in the kitchen, right. so in a, under the kick plate. So you have the kitchen, so you just don't see it. And uh, good heating and cooling is like children. You shouldn't hear them. You shouldn't see them. <laughs> you got any of those? I'll take a couple.
1: Absolutely. Borrowing from well, w- I tell you, <laughs> Richard, you doing a, mag- a magnificent job every single project. And, and the way that you're able to take the old buildings and all of its woes and yeah. actually bring the best of – those parts forward and then make it efficient with new energy efficient systems. Uh, In this case, uh, the geothermal system. It's really magnificent. It's a great example of what people should be thinking about and not always taking sort of the easy way out, but really taking the opportunity to upgrade their homes to make them uh, more efficient and more comfortable uh, for the many years to come. I think we're in a different place.
3: I think fuel is going to go nowhere but up. And I think the game of moving every two years, that sort of the 80s phenomenon is over. So I think now more than ever in my history, it's time to look at sand. Look, let me, let me invest once. Let me wince in pain once and do it right. And then say thank you every single winter or every single cooling season.
2: Fantastic.
1: You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and
2: online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. And still ahead, homeowners today are not as likely to retire and head south. Most want to stay exactly where they are, which is why one of the big trends in homeownership is universal design. Up next, we hear from this old house general contractor, Tom Silva, about the plans for this house and how the team made it accessible for everyone. Amen.
1: making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. You are listening to the Money Pit coming to you today from Essex, Massachusetts, the site of the current project on this 33rd season of America's most popular home improvement television show, This Old House. I'm
2: Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. And this project is very unique in that we incorporated the principles of universal design into this 1935 home so that the homeowners aging parents can live here comfortably now and for many years to come. And as always, Tom Silva was general contractor responsible for implementing many of those plans. Welcome to the program, Tom. Well, thanks. It's nice to be here. So, what were some of the objectives and, and challenges
1: of the design plan of this place? You had a you had a really old frame to work with, didn't you?
4: Uh, yeah, it was an old frame that was built by somebody that didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time you've come across yeah, that situation, yeah. Tom. No, it isn't. <laughs> Actually, I would... helped you at your house a couple of times. Oh, <laughs> it <laughs> uh It starts early! Yeah, the big thing is, is that someone had put an addition on this house, and I guess it had to be in the 50s, that really didn't know what they were doing. Right. And I'm surprised that the house didn't collapse. Huh.
2: The, the the distinguishing characteristic of this house from the outside is the steeply pitched roof it has.
4: There's actually four different pitches in this roof, and the one in the back of the house, uh, where the addition, the bedroom addition, meets the main part of the house, that actually is two different pitches on each side. Yeah and to make this all happen when we framed it we actually had to tweak the roof and fold it so that it met into the other one uh, nicely and that transformation is so important when you do these
1: projects because we've all seen really bad additions oh yeah that just list, literally look like square pegs slapped on the side of round holes right. i mean they just they look awful right so good architecture and, and good
4: construction and no, good I think design the architect did a great job on the design of this house it really looks good
2: and so when we dug into it i mean you know when you walked up to this house the first thing tom pointed out was Oh, there's this terrible shed dormer off the back. The pitch is all wrong. Um, it clearly has to go done after the original house, but it got worse. We dug oh. into it and we okay. found well, we found terrible stuff.
4: Well, we found stuff. Structure there was structure. There was there was beams that didn't have any supports. Right on either end, mm. like a ridge beam. <laughs> they were levitating, huh? Well I don't know how I really don't know how the house was up there. then it was built it, it, when you when you when you build a beam that that's meant to hold pressure down and you want a beam that holds pressure sideways, that's called a strong back mm-hmm. and they they didn't even make it a strong back, so the beam didn't have any support on each end, but it also didn't have any support sideways, so it actually bowed right it was pushing back mm-hmm. um like I say, I really don't know how it how it was stood. the the test of time especially with the snow that we've had
1: one of the other things that you guys did here which i want to talk about is you added a metal roof now those are getting much more popular and for some very very good reasons they last indefinitely
4: don't they well they have a long life they're wonderful roofs especially if you have snow conditions right the snow just slides off the roof you don't have to worry about ice dams Mm -hmm. um and and they're really charming and i think they fit the period of this house beautifully.
1: Now, when you add a metal roof today, um, one of the things I want to talk about is some of the coatings that are on these roofs. It's really fascinating. Some of them actually reflect the heat of the sun back out so they can make the home more energy efficient, Yeah, it's too, a right?
4: radiant barrier, basically a reflective radiant barrier. So it will actually keep your house cooler in the, um, in the conditions where you have a lot of hot sun.
2: And two things that I've learned in mean, a couple times that we've done the metal roofs, uh, Tom, is that, first of all, if you're thinking about solar panels, yeah. I mean, this is a great roof, right? Because it's got oh. a standing seam, yeah. and you can clip those panels on there, no Right problem. to it, right. You mm-hmm. don't have to penetrate it. And also, we've been down to several hurricane centers, and you see the roof damage. And oftentimes, it's a discontinuous roof mm-hmm. that undergoes the worst stress and most damage. And that is shingle over shingle over shingle. Right. With the metal roof, you've got a continuous surface from ridge all the way down to the eave. Yeah, the wind can't
4: break that edge to right. get under it, unless it's installed incorrectly. Right,
1: which, uh, of course, you would never do. Never. Not me. <laughs> hey, I want to ask you about the walls and the ceilings here, because you made these walls and ceilings look old, like the original walls. Um, did you do that with plaster? How would that come together? Yes,
4: yeah, it's, it's a veneer plaster, and uh, if you notice, all the corners, all the, the, the cor- outside corners from the roofs to the to uh, Dormers, right. the outside corner, they're all round. Right, they're soft. <clears throat> right. The reason I did that is because the period of this house when it would have been plastered, they didn't have uh, the metal corner bead. So mm-hmm. a metal corner bead is basically a sharp corner. Right. So what they would do is they would take a wooden dowel, put mm-hmm. it in the corner, and they would plaster to it, and that would allow for the deflection of the house, and that would be for your turning point. So what we did is we put the soft round corners in, and I basically had them take the plaster. Instead of just using a straight veneer coat plaster, I actually had them add a base coat to it, which is more granular. But Mm. I don't, I didn't want a silica sand like you see in a plastered ceiling, for right,
1: example. Right, right. So this is a or very, it has very, like sort of a, t- a textury kind of feel
4: to it. This is very smooth. Very, it's smooth, but it, it's, uh, it it has imperfections. And that's what I was looking for.
2: Favorite? And that's what was in this house originally. There yep. was sort of a rough texture to the plaster,
4: yep. which is what we were trying to recreate. Yeah, and the homeowners love it so much that we're going to be doing it on another project that we're going to do for them. He says, I love this so much. He said, I want to do it in that room that I want to have plastered. Wow,
1: it makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, just a, an amazing transformation w- once again. Uh And I just want to end with, you. not only did you do the house, but you built a barn here and completely renovated a barn from scratch.
4: We had a barn on site and we wanted to build a new one to duplicate the exact same barn, size, shape, everything.
1: Yeah, except this one's made with structural insulated panels and it's super efficient. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Tom Silva, great job once again. Thank you very much. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, broadcasting today from Essex, Massachusetts, the site of the current season
2: project for TV's This Old House. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. A major overhaul on a home like this cannot happen without a game plan. Up next, we'll hear from the architect who created the game plan for This Old House. On the
5: Money Pit
6: Radio Show.
1: good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Kevin O'Connor.
1: And you are listening to The Money Pit, coming to you on location from Essex, Massachusetts, where we are getting a sneak peek into the current season of This Old House. Now, you can follow this amazing project along and find your local PBS station to watch it on
2: on thisoldhouse.com. This season, the team has tackled a project that is very unique. Much of the project has been centered on making a home that is both attractive and accessible for the homeowner's aging parents. But to design a home that you can age into, you really need a plan. And that job fell to Sally DeGan from Spacecraft Architecture. Welcome, Sally.
0: Thank you.
1: I hear that you've tackled a number of projects that involve universal design aspects. So for those that are really not familiar with the term, the principle, talk to us about what that is.
0: Well, universal design, I suppose, is really just sensible design for a multitude of people. Okay. People with disabilities and without disabilities comfortable living
1: and it doesn't have to look
2: hospital-esque does it no in fact when done well it's pretty invisible
0: it ideally it should be yes
2: and in many respects and we've had the opportunity to tell the story uh, on the tv show so in many respects it's design that makes sense for anybody um, and it doesn't matter how old they are if they're physically impaired or not and it looks good i mean it just it just is smarter design we have seen great lighting scenarios that you put together big bright lights who doesn't like that?
0: Right. Yeah. I myself, in my own home, thought I didn't need bright light. I didn't right. want enough light. Now I regret it. <laughs> I'm getting older. Yep. I need more light. It's a fact of you know, aging. And so that's uh, what we try to do. We try to anticipate those issues.
2: And so we've got a lot of those features in this house. We talked a bunch about thresholds, but it's more than that in terms of what we did in this particular project.
0: It is absolutely. It's uh, clearances, it's um, faucet levers, it's ease of getting on and off a toilet, of maneuvering in a shower.
1: So if people are thinking about making their homes accessible, where where do you think is a good place to start?
0: I think starting with eliminating as many steps as you can. Can you get from the street, from your driveway, into your house on your own?
1: And that was a big challenge on this particular property because it's so rocky.
0: Yes. And, and so steep. Yep. Um, and it isn't easy from a water management standpoint to keep the water out of the home when the outside and the inside are at the same elevation. Mm-hmm. It's not natural for us to do that. So we need to go through many steps to get that to work.
1: Properly. So eliminating steps from the outside. Um, what about inside? Should you tackle this maybe on a room-by-room basis? What, what would be good improvements for the kitchen, for example?
0: Um, simple things like lever faucets right. that you can operate just with an elbow or an arm or a hand, you know, without needing to grasp right. it. The drawers where you can bump into them and the drawer opens.
1: Oh, that's a cool idea. And uh, countertops, too, at multiple
2: levels, right, so that you can work sitting down.
0: Great idea. And areas for you to sit where there's clearance under the cabinet for you to sit.
2: And one of the things that we did in our kitchen, which I've always thought was a nice design feature, and that was eliminate the upper cabinets. I always thought that looked great because it meant more windows, some tile, Um, but it also makes sense if you've got enough room for storage beneath the countertop. You don't always have to have upper cabinets. You don't, because those are the ones you have to reach up to and lift the heavy stuff. And so in this case, we don't have upper cabinets. We've got plenty of storage from the countertop down to the floor. It makes a lot of sense. It looks pretty darn good too when you see it.
0: And you know what? We started doing that when people were saying they wanted their kids involved in setting the table. Right. A child is short. They hmm. can't get to the other cabinets. Yeah. We put the dishes in the in the lower cabinets. Now the children can be involved.
1: We're talking to Sally Degan, She's from Spacecraft Architecture, and she was the architect on this old house project. Sally, I understand that um, in one of the other projects that you did that you and Kevin got a chance to take a look at was a home that you actually redid for an ALS patient. And that I think it's important to note that you made a lot of changes on a very small budget, right? So this doesn't have to be expensive.
0: Yeah, you know, this um, gentleman knew. He, he spoke to us before his ALS had really kicked in. Right. He wanted to plan ahead. He did not want to spend all his savings on renovating his house. Um, so we did very minor things that made it capable for him to continue living there for a number of years.
2: And we were walking through the house, Tom, and um, there was a, an opening between the kitchen and the hallway. Right. And I looked at it and said, that, that's not bigger than it used to be. It is certainly not big enough for a wheelchair. Right. But it was. Right. And all you guys did was just move it two mm-hmm. inches. Yes. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. And they kept the same casings and the same trim. Um, and it even had a couple rub marks in the wheelchair. Uh, but it was important to them that on, on a very short budget to keep the house looking the way it had originally.
1: So it doesn't have to cost thousands and thousands of dollars. These are, there's a lot of simple things that we can do and a lot of minor things. We're not necessarily talking about gut job renovations here to make a home accessible and attractive at the same time.
0: Yes, it just takes a lot of planning and a, a team effort.
2: And when it's done right, the transformation and the effect it has on the homeowners is significant. This gentleman in particular... Um, It changed his life. His ability to actually work and live in his home as his ailment um, progressed made all the difference. He was around his family and the people who cared for him. But
1: I think one of the key takeaways of universal design and accessible design is that this is design that works for any age, any physical ability. It's just design that makes sense. Whether you're a mom coming home with your arms full of groceries and you can't – you can just use the lever doorknob on the front door instead of the round one or just have better lighting. You know, These are things that make sense no matter – what age you have. So it's really a trend in architecture. And I think that more and more homes should age this way so that we can all age with them.
0: Yeah. And not even age. I can get into my shower and slip because there was some soap residue on the bottom of the shower. And I want that grab bar.
1: Great advice. Sally Degan, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, broadcasting today from Essex, Massachusetts, the site of the current season project for TV's This Old House. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. And still to come, landscape contractor Roger Cook is going to join us to talk
2: about the challenges of working in a very densely wooded and rocky terrain. And later, we'll hear from the people behind the scenes who make every show happen, our producer and director. I'm still amazed that we pull off both a television show and a complete renovation every season. We're going to tell you how we do it, Right after this.
5: You live in a body pit.
1: Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
2: And I'm Kevin O'Connor.
1: Ably filling in today for Leslie Segretti. And we're coming to you from the site of the current This Old House project in Essex, Massachusetts. This is a 1930s-era cottage that's been transformed into a cozy and comfortable home for a couple who plan to
2: age gracefully in this house for many years to come. And with this particular project, grooming the densely wooded and rocky exterior was a big part of the project. A job that was ably handled by Roger Cook, our landscaping contractor for this old house.
1: So, Roger, this home is on a really densely and wooded lot. And I understand one of your first projects was something you guys called chainsaw therapy?
5: (laughs) Yeah, or chainsaw clearing. We just went around and cut everything down. You have to remember that originally one time, this was a farm. I mean, it was totally cleared in over 30 or 40 years All those trees came back in.
1: I got to tell you, that's, that's so hard to picture when you look at this lot. I mean, there's a tree here every 20 or 30 feet.
5: Right, but just imagine what we took down to make those trees. (laughs) Just to be able to see through it, huh? Yeah, we found some nice trees that we left behind, including some American beech, which is a native tree. We left those behind, and then we took out some of the sick, bigger trees to allow the whole thing to be healthier.
1: Yeah, and that's really key to whenever you're thinning things out. You want to take the things that are detrimental out so that you give light and and life, really, to those trees that are left.
5: Right, and you you want to look at things. Now, am I going to save a tree to become firewood five or ten years down the road and Or is the tree in such bad shape that it needs to come out now? It's a matter of uh, selective harvesting, is how I would put it.
1: Now, a big part of this project was accessible design. Now, we always think about accessible design by, like, levered doorknobs versus round doorknobs and things like that inside the house. But with a wooded, rocky, steep lot here, you had a lot of of, uh, landscaping challenges to make the exterior accessible. Talk to me about that.
5: Well, if you think stairs are hard inside, think what they're like outside, because they're a lot clumsier than than what uh, the inside ones are. They're bigger, they're bulkier, and usually it's not as well lit as it is on the inside. So you have to take all those things into consideration. And to be able to make it to eliminate all the steps on the patios and walks we have here will just be great for her parents down the road.
1: Yeah, I understand that you actually had to work around some of the boulders and things to get a, was it a patio in.
5: Yeah, the patio it went in, but we did that on purpose. We didn't try to pull out some of these big, huge boulders. They've been here for hundreds of years. So what we did is we made them fit into the patio. We actually cut around with bluestone, and then in some of the crevices, we're going to fill in with perennials in the spring.
1: Now, speaking of rocks, I understand that you had a little excitement here with some that involved maybe some dynamite?
5: Yeah, a little <laughs> bit of fun, huh?
1: <laughs> tell me about uh, how you had to blast some of the boulders out of the way for the HVAC system. Well,
5: we are trying to get thermal lines, gas line, water lines, and everything had to be down four feet. And I'll tell you right now, this whole place sits on ledge, and some of that's 12 inches down, some's 24. We just could not get the depth we needed to get from the house to the thermal wells to right. get them into the house so we came in we had a guy come in blast everything it was a ball but then we <laughs> went to all the work pulled all the stone out put sand in put the lines back in and tamped and buried the whole thing it, it probably was three to four weeks of work that no one ever sees no one ever knows went on wow wow did they let you push the button no <laughs> Against the rules. I did ask, though. That's for sure. Really? Everybody
1: wants to do that, Now, this home actually had a rather neglected water feature. These have become uh, more popular in recent years. What was the situation, and how did you address it?
5: It was simply a lack of maintenance. The thing had been let sit for a long, long time. It was very simple. We replaced the filter and pump, uh, cleaned it up, checked the liner, and the liner was actually in great shape. We were able to restart it up and get the whole thing going again.
1: Now, that's terrific. Now, what about the foundation? I mean, one of the keys to the renovation of this home was to make it really almost not look renovated, right? right? I mean, to kind of help it fit in with the neighborhood. You don't want to put a super modern facade on this. And you actually did some work um, with the exterior foundation that would maintain that look. Tell me about that.
5: Well, on one side of the house, we had to build a wall to support the house so it didn't look like it was sinking. The drop was over six feet on one side of the house. So we built a concrete wall, a poured concrete wall with reinforcing rod, and that held back the grade. But then what we did is we dressed that wall with stone. It's called veneer stone that you put on. It's four to six inches thick, and you attach it to the wall. You mortar it to the wall, and when you're done, it looks like a fieldstone wall, but it has the strength of the concrete behind it. So did you have to bring the actual wall out in front of it so that you had proper drainage? No. The wall sits... At a 90 degree angle to the footing, and you're building on the footing, so you're on the same plane as the wall. Only you have that little lip to build on, and then you just veneer all the way up. Got it. So Roger,
1: 30 seconds. If you're looking at the exterior home, you want to make it more accessible. What are a couple of key things to look at?
5: Work with the lay of the land. You know, maybe take some sight shots so you know what the grades are. So you can work everything. Try to work with the boulders, with the ledge, rather than take try to take them away. It costs a lot of money to move them.
1: Great advice, Roger Cook from this old house. Thanks so much for filling us in on Essex. My pleasure.
5: My pleasure, Tom.
1: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, coming to you today from the set of the 33rd season on TV's This Old House. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. And still to come, we're going to talk to the designer on this project about the finishing touches and how universal design was incorporated into pretty much everything from lighting to cabinet hardware.
2: And later, we'll hear from the homeowners who always amaze me. They turn their homes and lives over to us for months. But I must admit, the finished product is always worth
4: it.
0: The Money Pit is brought to you by
6: Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com.
1: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor. Coming to you from the set of TV's This Old House, which is now a newly transformed 1930s cottage in Essex, Massachusetts. It's absolutely beautiful. It's getting a major overhaul so that the homeowner's parents will have a comfortable place to live and to be near their grandchildren, which is always nice.
2: You know, often the best part of the renovation for the homeowners, the part where they really get to see their personality inserted into the project, are the finishing design touches. And this season, those were done by Keith Musinski of Equilibrium
1: Design. Welcome, Keith. Thank you very much. So let's talk about the role design plays in creating an accessible space. I mean, Usually, we think of accessibility as a lot of construction projects, but how do you make the design work to make a home more accessible? Well, I think one of the tricks here was we tried to make
6: it subliminal in right. some respects. Okay. Um, you know, the homeowners were really looking to make something that was, you know, not in your face. Right. They were going after a certain aesthetic that they were trying to match. And what we tried to do was try to blend those two extremes so that things can be beautiful, but
2: they can actually serve the people that they need to serve. I would suspect that anybody who walked into this house tomorrow would have no idea that the primary goal here was accessibility.
1: Yeah, and that's an important key because so many times these homes don't uh, really look pleasant. They look more hospital-like, and in this case... Right. It's actually sort of behind
2: the scenes almost. It's, as Keith says, subliminal. You just don't see it.
1: And and what's really cool about what you've done in this house, Keith, is you really pulled together um, the old and the new look. Correct. So, for example, in the kitchen, you've got a beautiful old home with old walls and high ceilings. You've got these very shiny modern almost looking cabinets, but just at the base. Correct. Yeah, Kevin was talking about that today too. And what we found was, you know, we needed the
6: accessibility of those modern cabinets because, you know, they kind of fit the bill. Right. They do all everything you want a cabinet to do. You know, they touch release, you know, they super efficient, Mm kind of meet all they tick all the right boxes. But, you know, when you contrast them against handmade tiles, you know, they become even more special sometimes it 's that contrast of dark and light that really shows each other off, and that 's kind of what we 're going for
2: and, and then above the counters um, and, and cabinets below we 've got lots of stainless steel so we 've right. got you know not just a stainless steel hood over the, over the stove um, but very sleek you know right. real cool look yeah Yeah, yeah. And, and then we 've got exposed beams so there 's a huge eclectic mix, and I think most people would be. Uh, and if they were trying to pull it off themselves, they'd be scared of that. If, exactly. if you gave someone an assignment and said, I want modern cabinets, old tile, stainless steel, and exposed wood beams, we'd all choke on it.
1: Yeah, and I want to point out that this is the role of a professional designer. And I think that people don't always appreciate what someone in your position does, Keith, because they think of design as almost an afterthought. They don't think of it from the beginning of the project. They think of it at the end. They think of the physical aspects then the design almost kind of kicks in at the end but the value of having a designer involved from day 1 of the project from the planning project part of the project is that you end up with a beautiful transformation like you guys have done here for this old house
6: yeah what i always like to say is like trust yourself but think differently you know sometimes a designer can actually pull that out of you and find out truly you know you can lay out 10 pictures on a page And the client won't know what they're looking at. They know why they like it. But the value of a designer is to come in and say, okay, here are the five things that are the same in that picture. And they help you to sort of string that through your project. So That's what makes
1: it a better project? Full-time designer, part-time psychotherapist. Yeah, well,
2: (laughs) and marriage counselor. Don't forget that one, too. Well, you worked a lot with the homeowners. You spent a lot of time with them and right from the beginning of this project, which makes all the difference. Yeah, it's the place to start. Great job, Keith. Great. Thank you very much.
1: You've been listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show, coming to you from Essex, Massachusetts, and the set of the 33rd season of TV's This Old House. I'm Tom Kreitler, and I want to extend... A very special thank you to my friend, Kevin O'Connor, for pitching in
2: this hour as my guest host. Tom, it's been my pleasure. And if you'd like to learn more about the Essex Project or find local listings for both This Old House and Ask This Old House, please visit thisoldhouse.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Kevin O'Connor.
1: Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.
5: You live in a body pit. This is the story of The One.